All right, Dave. So we finally got Cleve out of here. Um, so what do we got going on with the games this week? Uh, well, let's start well, with Thanksgiving, of course. Yeah. So we're gonna st- we're gonna start with Thanksgiving here. And so the first game we have we have the Bears and the Lions. Probably Andy Dalton versus uh, Tim Boyle or whatever his name is. It really it really doesn't matter. And even with this situation, the Lions could get their first win in this situation. The Bears are a team that are beatable if they don't play well. If the Bears play to their potential, even with Andy Dalton, the Lions cannot beat them. But if the Bears show up and they're not they're not playing their best, the Lions, you know, we could get a crazy DeAndre Swift, 175 total scrimmage yards, three touchdown, carry the Lions to victory sort of situation. So I'm not expecting it, but I am hopeful that we can get a Lions victory. Yeah, I mean, they got 130 yards on the ground from him against the Browns and still lost the damn game. So, like, at some point, they got to cash in on this guy because you said he was going to be a good fantasy pickup, and I did pick him up, and I've been mostly happy with it. Well, yeah, I would say so. He's getting, like, six targets a game. Yeah, but as far as this game is concerned, uh, I think the Bears just have no offensive potency, and Andy Dalton certainly doesn't help that. I mean, he's seen a lot more defenses but I do get a good feeling about this for the Lions. Home game, Thanksgiving, like you said, it means something to the fans. And, uh, hey, let's get a win for the for the, for the new guy. Yeah, just embarrass the Bears on, the, on Thanksgiving. The uh, the next Thanksgiving day game we have here, the 430 Eastern game, we have the Raiders at the Cowboys. And I don't care if C.D. Lamb doesn't play. I don't care if Amari Cooper doesn't play. This must be an absolute demolition by the Cowboys. I was actually they just going to say it embarrass the Raiders they need to put the Raiders in their coffin and shove them in the dirt and be done with them and just get over and onto the next one if those two receivers don't play Michael Gallup needs to have 15 targets you know nine catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns Dalton Schultz needs to go crazy get more touches to Tony Pollard it doesn't matter they have to dismantle the Raiders the thing is is they they need a get right game but like a get right for real game because i mean we thought they had it against the falcons and they come out looking like ass against the chiefs and again this isn't like the chiefs look like the chiefs of old here this was a bad chiefs team this past sunday but the thing is i said when the cowboys lost to the broncos that okay so you lose a non-conference game that's all right but now they lost two and they can't afford to lose a third because at this point they're teetering on not getting the first the overall first overall seed and they need it They absolutely need it. Like every team needs to be striving for it. And this is a team they should be able to beat even without all their complimented players. I mean, the Raiders are coming in completely lost. Cowboys need to score at least 30. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this needs to be an absolute demolition. Some squeak out victory or whatever doesn't. I mean, it helps the Cowboys mathematically, of course, and they'll take any sort of W they can get. But just for like, yeah, getting this team back on track, they need to just, uh, Kyle Rudolph with a 30 yard reception in 2021. I told you it's a simulation. Yeah. Um, the uh, night game on Thursday night, which could have been good, is the Bills at the Saints. And this is actually a similar thing for Buffalo, although any sort of win away at New Orleans in prime time is, is, a, is a good win. But it would be nice for them to just demolish the Saints, too. This is the, the Bills are in a tough, tough spot now because I feel like coming into the season the pressure was on the Patriots to cash in with all the spending that they did in in free agency and obviously they have a rookie quarterback and all of a sudden now the Bills who came in with lofty expectations after last year's finish and we all said they were going to be good I even had Josh Allen as my MVP this year and that's looking awful um 
and now all of a sudden the bills are staring up at the patriots with a short week in a tough crowd right a tough place to play and if they lose and the patriots win let's say the patriots somehow beat the titans all of a sudden the bills are two games behind the patriots i feel like all the pressure is on the bills if they lose this game because now they have to rely on beating the patriots twice because they still they still get to play them twice but you get my point though like six and five for this team it's not like they're gone it's just it's really it's starting to get tougher like they they really need to get back to what they were doing well last year and they just haven't been able to consistently do it they have no more leeway they they yeah. gave up their leeway with that loss to the jags yeah that, but you they see, don't so we're saying the same they, thing basically though and it's like yeah but even added on to it the rest of the afc east except for the patriots like we thought the patriots weren't going to be seven and four we didn't think that and we knew the jets were going to be bad we thought maybe the dolphins would be seven and four but given where the Dolphins are and the Jets are, the Bills have to win games. And the Patriots have been able to do it. It's just strange because like they're staring up at them and it's like, well, if we lose now, we could be two games behind. And they have to start winning football games. Yeah. For the purposes of this thought exercise, I'm just assuming they split with the Patriots. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so they stay a game behind. And therefore, that's why the Jags loss mm-hmm. is their their leeway that they had. And you're right. They can't uh, have any more leeway. Uh, and then we have the next game here, the first game on Sunday. We have the Steelers at the Bengals, and this is a huge game for both teams. But again, it's a spot where the Bengals at home against a team that just owns them historically. They have to take care of business here and just ensconce themselves in the playoff discussion. Well, they do, especially since they have that big win against the Ravens. Like the division could still be in play for them. So they get a big win against the Steelers, and it's looking better for them. Like they get the Ravens one more time. They already beat them in Baltimore. So they get them at home now. And I agree with you. Like, you gotta, you got to distance yourself. Like, these teams that we're going to talk about, especially like Bengals, Cowboys, they've got to start distancing themselves from these teams that are middling around the middle of the pack that we think shouldn't be there and are still hanging around. Like, you can't let them play spoiler to you. Go out there and take care of your business. Bury the damn Steelers and get, get some confidence in your division because as we're seeing now, the Bengals could be the second best team in, the, in that division. I mean, the Browns are playing like ass right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I completely agree. And the Bengals, yeah, this division could actually still be won by any of the four of them if it somebody could. wants to rise up and take it. Yeah. But the Bengals, with the win here, are in a very unique position, as you mentioned, to, um, to do that. The next game is a battle of teams who I actually think could still make the playoffs. We have the Panthers, who I think will make it, and at the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, it's thin. It's very thin for them. But... The Tua Dolphins are much better than the Brissett Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So they, they steal a couple games they're not supposed to down the stretch, and they can definitely sneak sneak their way in there. They could. I think they're in a similar position that the, the Seahawks are in, both three and seven. Yes. Right? They're not necessarily dead and buried, but they, got, they just have to start winning. Like, it's just that simple. And I know that that's yeah. not great analysis, but they have to start winning. Like, at best, they can go 10 and seven, and that might be good enough to get in. So, like, you know, nine and eight, maybe stretching it a little bit, but they just got to win. So they've got to get it done. And I think you're right, though. They are better, but I don't know that that's that's a huge mountain to climb. I mean, it is. It is. It is a big mountain to climb. They would need they need to win like four in a row. They have to at least get to seven and seven. Yeah, for sure. They got to get back to 500. But that, again, winning four in a row, tough in this league, real tough. Yes, it is. Um, the only thing that gives me any reason to say they're not out of it yet is just that. I think nine and eight is going to get in because all the teams keep beating each other. No, I think you're right, but I'm saying like that's like that's the the lowest that you can go nine and eight. Like no team's going to get in with a losing record. 
unlikely 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 possible even as a wild card but but unlikely for sure by the way larger point with 17 games is it possible that we'll see more losing records as those like seven seeds especially since they expanded the playoffs just because there's more games and more teams that can get in I don't think we'll see them as seven seeds. We'll see them as four seeds. Oh, we'll yeah. see losing records win divisions. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I think is the most likely to happen. And really, really, I want to see a seven and 10 division winner make it in. Yeah. That's the that's the dream. New York Giants. <laughs> uh, the next game here, speaking of the Giants, we got the Eagles at the Giants, which for me did not look absolutely stupid talking about the Eagles this week. They're going to have to beat the Giants next week. Yeah, that'll get them back to 500 and 100% in the playoff conversation, like firmly in the playoff conversation. I mean, especially if they like wallop the Giants. Yeah, but it's funny, like you, you think about these games and you think on paper, all right, the Eagles should be should beat the Giants, right? They, they should beat them because the Giants we've been sort of making fun of all year long, but and then and, and the Eagles have been playing consistent football, but it's like that the mentality of any given Sunday, it's like the Eagles could show up and look like complete ass against the Giants, and then all of a sudden oh, they're five sure. and seven, and it's like, it's, okay, sure. Oh, I'm betting the Giants' money line in this game. I'm betting the Giants outright to, to win, so I'll be getting some odds. Out. You know, there'll be a home underdog. I'll be getting some uh, some yeah. odds there. So I'm, bet- I'm betting the Giants to win. They can definitely happen, but uh, from the point of view of the Eagles and my takes, I need, I need the Eagles to not allow that to happen. Yep. Oh, oh, I didn't even know this game was on. I actually didn't look at the schedule for Sunday before doing this. Even better. We we got the Titans at the Patriots. Yeah, I knew that was coming up. And I think it's at Foxborough. I think. It is. You're playing You're playing for pride. Yeah, but uh, this is kind of big. Like, well, it's big for the Patriots, but I, personally, I think it's bigger for the Titans because the Titans have had the number one seed. They have a loss to a team they shouldn't be losing to. And again, if they lose and they're eight and four, all of a sudden now it's like that they're tied with the Patriots and the Patriots could somehow be like the number one seed in the AFC, which is stupid because they they don't, (laughs) it doesn't seem like they should be there, but, and and now all of a sudden the Titans are eight and four, right? They, they have a, they should have their division, I think, but it it seems like it is a pride game. Like it, it needs to be a get right game, but if they have no weapons, man, I just, I feel like the Titans are still going to get in, but they're, if they don't have anybody, they're going to be just completely limping into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. The Titans are at risk in this game of being exposed as non-factors without Derrick Henry. Yes. After looking like they might be factors with Derrick Henry uh, before this. And I think that's going to happen. I mean, I cannot imagine this Patriots defense at home against the Titans with no Derrick Henry, no Julio Jones, maybe no A.J. Brown, maybe no Marcus Johnson. I yeah. mean... We joke about their nobody players, but like Des Fitzpatrick and Nick Westbrook Akina are not going to beat New England in New England. And that defense has been playing really well. Like really, really well. And again, you have to look at the competition, but still, good defense is good defense. Like you it's like you you know that it's good defense and they could absolutely smother the Titans. Like they could pick Tannehill off four times again, and there's no way that the, the Titans can survive that. Also, for the daily fantasy players out there, this sets up very well for a Nelson Nelson Aguilar game. Mm-hmm. So the Titans love to give up big passes down the field. So and, he's going to be cheap and not owned. So and they have been the, the Patriots have been opening up the playbook a little bit more, throwing downfield a little bit more. So th- there is promise there. But I can't even imagine if the Patriots win this game and all of a sudden they're eight and four. Like it's just crazy. That's nuts. They are way ahead of where you must have thought they were going to be. Well, 
I mean, I, I thought to myself that, I mean, I said that if everything went right, that 10 wins felt like it was in the range of outcomes for them, but it's the way that they've been playing. Like they start two and four and then they potentially rip off six in a row. Like that, that's not what was in the range. To me, that's not what was in the range of outcomes for them. Like if they managed to be seven and five, it's like, yeah, they won a couple, then they lose a couple, you know, like one of those flip floppy type of things. But the way that they started two and four look completely inept on offense. Like they weren't going to be able to scare anybody. They lose a couple games like to the Cowboys that they could have won and to the Bucks that they could have won. And it's like, well, they're clearly not a good team because they can't win those games. And then they're like, fuck right. off. Here's five in a row. <laughs> but again, they are the embodiment of the NFL this year where every team that's not terrible is good. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's fun to watch, but I'm sure it's so fucking infuriating to everybody else. Yes. Uh, speaking of infuriating to everybody else, we have two first year coaches struggling in the next game. We got the Falcons at the Jags. Awful. Uh, this is a typical who cares game for real life, but for fantasy, this could have some goodness in it. This game could be like a 35-31 total nonsense game. Where is this? Jacksonville. I got the Jags. I'm calling it here. I got Lawrence. I got Lawrence feeling good against that Falcons defense. He needs something, man. He needs to feel good about something at some fucking point. Like, I, I don't know. The Falcons just feel like a team that could lose to the Jags, and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not going to pick a winner in this game. I will just take the over, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know either. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, but I will I will take the over in this game. Uh, I just think that, you know, the Falcons need to get, the, I mean, three points in two weeks. They're so much pressure on their offense, and they get the Jags who are terrible, and the Jags get the Falcons that are terrible, and I just think that we can end up with, like, uh, just a slap fest of a 34-31 barn burner. Sometimes the bad teams play the best games. Yeah, Styles makes fu- make fights, you know. Yep. Uh, now we have to talk about two really good teams. We got the Bucks at the Colts. The thing is about the Colts, I have to at least be open about this. If Jonathan Taylor is going to run this way, they're going to be tough to beat. Like if they're not relying on if they're not relying on Carson Wentz to have to win games for them, good God! I mean, yeah. they're not going to get 200 scrimmage yards out of Jonathan Taylor every game, but it's been practically damn near that for the last few weeks. Although didn't last week they were up on the Jags and they just stopped giving them the ball, and it's like why? Exactly. Why? Like just keep giving yeah. them the fucking ball. It's like watching football with my dad used to be like this is what he used to say. Now it's not like this anymore, I don't think, but he probably still says it. But he's like run until they can't stop you, and in today's league. You don't want to do that. But that's what my dad used to say all the time. If they're if you're effectively running the ball, just keep fucking running the ball until they can't stop you. And that's what the Colts should be doing with Taylor. Like if he's ripping off runs, just keep fucking handing him the ball, man. Because he's gonna keep ripping him. Yeah, absolutely. He's not gonna keep ripping him against the Bucks. One thing I didn't mention in the uh, last episode in the review about the game with the Bills is that Tremaine Edmonds was out for the Bills in this game. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a surprise late in the week. And that's not an excuse to give up two hundred yards and five touchdowns, but maybe like it's worth 70 yards and a touchdown and a half. And, and so it just sort of like moves the moves the ceiling up for JT, you know? Well, you know what this reminded me of? Your take on Michigan, Michigan State. Like, take the refs out of it, but they haven't, they didn't give up 300 yards and six touchdowns to the running back, then maybe they win the game. Yeah. Uh, speak, just as a quick aside, Michigan State totally exposed. Yeah. I mean, CJ Stroud, probably Heisman front runner now. Garrett Wilson, two touchdowns. Alave, two touchdowns. Smith and Jigba, one. And like all three had 100 yards. Just absolute trash from Michigan State. We might join you on the scrap heat this coming Saturday. We might have the exact same thing happen to us, but it's already happened to you. This is why Michigan was ranked ahead of you. This was always coming down the pike. Try not to lose to Penn State. Anyways. Well, hold on. The, the, uh, the, the thing oh. I said this about on my other sports show about Ohio State is they feel like the team that's trending upward 
more than a lot of the other teams that were in there. Like I didn't think Oregon was going to be there when all was said and done and that, that happened. And I feel like Georgia, Alabama, that's a tough call. Like I, it, I don't think a two loss team can get in. Can they? No, not this year. I didn't think so. But either way, it's like if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia still gets in, don't they? No. You so don't I was think just so? looking at the five I was looking at the five thirty eight models going through this earlier today. I mean I was at work, um, and so I was clicking around with their models and so I just did a Georgia doesn't win out. Mm-hmm situation and since they're 97 percent to beat georgia tech that really means they lose to alabama in the sec title game Mm -hmm. in that case where that happens and either michigan or ohio state went out either oklahoma or oklahoma state went out um and cincinnati wins out georgia only makes it in 38 percent of the time cincinnati 62 And, and like so it comes down to them wow that's a really thin margin of error for a team that has clearly looked like the best team in the country all year yeah, but if they if they have a loss and don't win their conference, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, an- another another what my father used to say: it's when you lose, lose early. Yeah, but I mean, also you know, since they play for conference titles, I mean, winning the conference championship is uh no, I know is a big deal. And there's so many deserving teams. I mean, yeah, if there were six getting in, they'd they'd be in no matter what. If there were eight or twelve, obviously, most of these teams we're discussing are already in. Michigan's in, even with the loss to Ohio State. Yeah, but you know, in the way that it's currently constructed. Georgia needs to beat Alabama to be assured of their their spot. They could still be reasonably expect to get in with something because, like, maybe Iowa beats Ohio State in the Big Ten title game or whatever. Not happening. Cincinnati loses to whoever they're playing. You know, maybe something like that happens. But if Georgia loses, they they are not guaranteed. They are actually underdogs to make it in if they if they lose to Alabama. So it's a better outcome for them if they lose to Georgia Tech and then win the SEC? Probably because their resume will be very strong in that case with that win over what will then become the number one team. Wow. And a bunch of other really good wins. That's incredible. That's incredible that their margin of that their their margin of error is so fucking thin. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And they played yeah, so I mean, well. But it's because so many there's so many other one loss teams. I like know. you know, Michigan or Ohio State should win the Big Ten. The winner of this game should beat whoever they play from the West. That's right. one loss. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State only play each other. Mm-hmm. That's one loss. Yep. Um, Cincinnati's going to be undefeated. Notre Dame's got one loss. Yeah. So Alabama. So they. I mean, that's it. Like they. They got to win. They got to win to get in. But uh, spoiler: Georgia's going to win. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think so too. But uh, I just had to say that about Ohio State because I felt like three weeks ago i'm like they feel like the team is trending upward and they have a tough they have what looks like a tough slate at the end of the season with michigan state and then michigan but i'm like i feel like the michigan state game isn't going to be competitive that's why i was texting you guys offline about it because i was like lol michigan state because they looked like shit so uh real quick for move on to the next nfl game my college fantasy league a good score a good score is like 320 in a week right 320 points i put up 460 because i played Ohio State quarterback and all three wide receivers. Wow. Yeah. They put up like 117 on their own. Always more than that. Like 131 between the four of them. Yeah, it was just funny because I was like, so I guess Mel Tucker is already counting his money on the sideline and forgot to coach this game or or what? Because they looked, I mean... And the, the announcers were like, well, Michigan State let the game get away from them early. I was like, you fucking think it was like 28 nothing." <laughs> but that's why I texted you guys when it's 14 nothing. And this is actually a good exercise for the NFL, too, because it's 14 nothing, and they get down inside the 10-yard line or whatever it was, and then they get fourth down. 
and they went to kick a field goal and they missed. And I was like, you're down 14 nothing to a team that is probably going to romp you if you don't score a touchdown here. Go for the fucking touchdown. They missed the, the field goal and Ohio State immediately gets like an 80 yard touchdown pass. And I was like, well, now it's 21 nothing. So uh, you could have lost 21 to three. Great. Awesome. Like, I don't I don't understand it. Like, that's why I said they're giving up already. Maybe I'm wrong in the analytics on that, but it just felt like, all right, this team came out, scored twice in like three plays and you get down inside to score a touch like score a touchdown you need touchdowns to win now and they're like now nah, we'll kick a field goal uh college teams should not kick field goals as underdogs well i it, mean i was like to tie or win the game at the end yeah but um, that's but you know i think you're on you're in lockstep with me on this where it's like a field yeah. goal is not going to beat ohio state in that game score a touchdown and then they give up the score and i was like at 21 nothing i was like this game's over like they're never going to come back and chrissy was like maybe they're a second half team and i was like i bet you the final score of this game is like 56 to 20 it was 56 to 7 so i wasn't that far off danny dimes just threw one of the absolute worst interceptions you're ever gonna see it was carson went to ask it just wasn't in the end zone awesome i can't wait yeah just absolutely uh absolutely terrible and so speaking of absolutely terrible we got the jets at the texans oh my god oh my god texans gonna get the third win yeah i mean they've got a significant advantage at quarterback Tyrod over Joe Flacco? Yeah, or White Mike or whoever. I'm sure it's going to be Flacco because he played He played pretty well. He actually did, but that's, again, because he's a 1,000 years old, so he's seen everything at this point. Also, somebody who's been quiet in fantasy and DFS for a while is Brandon Cooks. This yeah. could be a Brandon Cooks week. Could be. Texas this could be a 150-2 and because the, the Jets secondary is truly terrible. Yeah, it's bad. And Jared Wilson from Michigan is like they're starting safety, and I feel terrible being like, man, y'all suck, but they're really bad. Yeah, they look. Both teams are bad. This is a game made for red zone. Yep, absolutely. Uh, starting the four p.m. games, we got the Chargers at the Broncos, and once again, the Chargers like got to stop this yo-yo and whatever. The Broncos are frauds. You gotta, you gotta go into go into uh, Denver and get that win. Thing is, the Broncos are what are they six and four? Something like that. And we haven't talked about them in like two weeks because we think yeah. they're totally irrelevant. And I feel like they shouldn't be there. So please, Herbert, take care of business. Absolutely. We have the uh, Vikings at the 49ers. Big Could game. be a game to expose Jimmy G because the Vikings can put up some points. Big game too for both teams. Both teams at five and five. So yep. And we had. Both of us may may not have had the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I don't want to bring back bad memories here, but uh, come on, baby, let's get the, let's get those W's. I, I mean, again, it it's still possible. It's you know, just get in, just get into the tournament. Now, the 49ers are going to be getting in their own way, but maybe this is the one where like Justin Jefferson's got another 152 touchdowns, and Thielen's got some, and Cousins got 350 yards, and the 49ers like just can't keep up. Maybe this will be what does it, but. I actually like the 49ers to win this game, even with Jimmy G. Is it some boomer stubbornness that Shanahan is not playing Trey Lance? Like, what is it? He thinks that Jimmy G gives him the best chance to win any single game, and that is absolutely correct. He does not give him the best chance to win all the games later in the year. It's just, it's, yeah. I mean, I guess he's doing the game-by-game analytics, and that's what he's going by. So, well, he's looking at, he's looking at median projection outcomes for each game and I'm looking at ceiling outcomes for the entire season and he's like well we have a set we have a 52% chance to win with Jimmy G and a 45% chance to win with with Trey Lance but it's like yeah but if that 45 comes through three times in a row for Trey Lance your chance of winning the Super Bowl is going to go up by five six times but so 
But the more they play him, doesn't that percentage start to flip-flop a little bit? Because if if Trey Lance is where Jalen Hurts is, the 49ers yeah. are really dangerous. Yes. I just I, It's just been interesting because we've been giving Shanahan a pass for a couple of years. And it's a weird stubbornness. I mean, maybe not stubbornness, but again, he's looking at data that he feels confident in. So he's the coach. He can do that. It just seems really odd because it feels like... Again, if next year, like if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, so they're going to start fresh with Trey Lance last year when they could have gotten him a ton of reps this year. I mean, that's what it's looking like. Also, I don't give uh, Shane, uh, Kyle Shanahan a pass. I just actively think he's fantastic. So, well, well that's what I mean is we, we both think he's a great head coach, but this yeah. seems to be head scratching. No, I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I don't, I mean, I understand he, where he's coming from in his decision making, and uh, he might not even. Like, he might privately be thinking to himself, I don't, like, I'm not interested in winning the Super Bowl this year. I'm interested in looking good and being attracted to free agents and whatever. Yeah. And just, he might he might already be on the next year. Like, he might, he would never say that. But if you're sharp, like, a lot of the bad teams right now, like, the Lions are to be on the next year. They should be optimizing decisions. Actually, this should be, like, two, three years away. They should be optimizing decisions for that. He might already be there. He might, or maybe after this week. If we lose to the Vikings... I'm optimizing for future years. And that just means not having like running Trey Lance out there. He'll get all training camp next year or whatever. And we'll just do it next year. I disagree with that. Yeah. But he could be thinking along those lines. All right. The final four o'clock game Rams at Packers. It's a big game for the Rams. Huge. Big game. Cause you said they were in the Bengals position, basically two losses yep. going into the bye. Got to get right. Got to get yep. right. And, and what it, the LA team going to uh, Green Bay Thanksgiving weekend. That is going to be some weather too. This is going to be a mental toughness game for these uh, LA people. True question. Do you think the Rams could potentially be in trouble or is it just so chaotic that it doesn't matter at this point? Yes. Yeah. See, I, um, it's amazing how the narratives of these teams have changed so much to where we felt super confident in the Rams and then two games and two absolutely terrible and then injuries of course and you're like maybe they're in trouble the offensive line is really what's been troubling because it doesn't matter if if Stafford is going to be under duress they're not going to be able to put their game plan in and OBJ is going to be like well they can't get me the ball yeah no I mean I, I completely agree the thing with the Rams is that their losses have been truly bad and so we have to like Kind of like the Bills now, where you're like, the loss of the Jags and getting killed by the Colts, those are two really bad events, yeah. and it really starts to flip sort of the, the thinking. But the thing is, the Rams can erase this by going into Green Bay on the road in the winter and getting a win. Yeah, they can, and they're going to have to potentially do it in the playoffs, so perhaps this is a good test for them. Absolutely. Now, the Sunday night game, who, baby, it's going to be a good one. We got the Browns at the Ravens thing is is you said all the points all the yards for uh, chiefs cowboys last week and uh didn't yeah. come to fruition so this game's going to be like 13 to 12 <laughs> i think that this game i think this game will be a blowout one way or the other i have that feeling too yeah most most likely catch geo good job uh most likely with the ravens blowing out the browns of course but i just feel like like it could just all fall apart for the ravens at any point and then the Browns, like Nick Chubb controlling it, and they get like a defensive touchdown. I get to see the Browns running away with it as well. So I think most likely the Ravens kill the Browns, but it's very possibly going to blow out going the other way. And then the Monday night game, oh my goodness, Seahawks at football team. Yuck. 
uh, big for the local area. We're hosting Monday Night Football. Yeah, and that's always good. Thankfully, I don't have to commute anymore, so I don't have to worry about the traffic. So uh, that works out for me. But um, to go back to the last game and um, Baker. Oh, yeah. The Browns are in a really tough spot because I think that his injuries are starting to pile up to the point where maybe he needs to be shut down. He's in a contract year, so he's not going to sit down without a real reason, right? Like, he's going to have to be significantly hurt. But I feel like he's just so banged up that they're not going to get the best Baker Mayfield. And do you think that there is anything to that? I mean, I don't know. Like, we talked about how he just looked like ass against the Lions, but he's so very clearly not right. Right? Yeah, I mean, I agree with your assessment. I don't think that he should be considering being shut down quite yet. Because let's just imagine the Browns win their next two games. So they go to Baltimore and beat the Ravens. Hang on, I'm looking at week 13 here. Is that their bye week? Could be. I think it is. And so then they come out of the bye. This can't be right. This can't be right. This says that they go that they go to Baltimore, and then they're on their bye, and then they come out of their bye and they host Baltimore? Yeah, remember that was that weird schedule thing we talked about in the preview? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so really the Browns can just sweep the Ravens over the next three weeks and then, like, we're back winning the Super Bowl again. So basically the Browns season hinges on these next three weeks. Yes. And if they, well, clearly if they lose both to the Ravens, they're totally toast. But if they split, are they still in a weird position? Because they're 6-6. and Like, I guess they can still squeak in, but... Yeah, yeah. So if if they split, if they split, they're fine. Um, let's see. Yeah, host the Ravens. Week fifteen, host the Raiders at the Packers. Sorry, I'm scrolling here, producing the show during the show. That's at right. the Steelers, and then host the Bengals. So yeah, so they've got. Uh, if they go six and six, they should beat the Raiders to get to seven and six. Lose to the Packers to get to seven and seven, and then close with two divisional games. Uh, that's nine and seven. I don't know. My math is off. The point is, is that yes, they could still make some do some damage even if they split the next two games. If they lose both, they're probably they're in a bad way. And they probably need to start thinking about next year, right? Because we're making the assumption that they're in on Baker because we've talked about the fact that if they're not, they're going to have to figure yeah. out what the hell their game plan is because they don't seem to have one. So it would lead me to believe at this point in time that they're still kind of in on the Baker train, but they're going to have to pay the guy. So they're in the weirdest position. Like, I I don't quite remember a contract year being so up and down with a team that had such lofty expectations that we thought were warranted, and they have looked so Jekyll and Hyde every week. Dak? Mm, yeah, maybe. Man. But, but he deserved to get paid. Like, he, he obviously should have been paid. Yes, and I think part of Dak's problem was Jason, was, uh, yeah, Jason Garrett. Yeah, right? Um, absolutely terrible coach. Whereas in this particular case, they figured something out last year and they looked great last year to where they could have been a win or two away from the Super Bowl. And this year they just haven't been able to, to capture that magic. And they, you know, I think it's, it's gotta be because Baker has just not been right. Like from that tackle that he tried to make in the Texans game with the, whatever it was, the torn labrum or or whatever it was. I mean, he got absolutely destroyed in the Patriots game. Right, he's had to come out of a game a couple of times this year, and you can tell. You can just tell he's he's banged up, and if he's lashing out at the fans, it clearly means that he's uh, taking it personally. But I don't know. I just wanted to ask that because philosophically, I'm like, what what's it going to take to kill Baker Mayfield? Same thing I asked about the Titans last week. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to rush you off this game. I didn't know you were holding on to this. Uh... Mm-hmm. No, the way that yeah. I because when 
when you're talking, I'm trying to, to produce the show while we're on the show. I'm trying to think about something and try to figure out like a lane to get in. But if you smoothly transition to the next game, I don't want to interrupt. And then I'll try to bring up the point later because the, the, the Monday night game, great for the football team, but I don't give a shit. And uh, Geno Smith's going to have another primetime game. How about that? <laughs> uh I think we're going to get healthy Russ out of nowhere. He's going to go for like 404 just all over the football team. Like he's just, like at some point, his, it's like a broken finger. At some point he's just going to heal and then he's ready to go. It's going to look like, uh, you remember that Vic game, Monday night game where he threw to Deshaun Jackson that was in Washington where I think they were up like 28 nothing after the first quarter because Vic had like 46 yep. fantasy points in the first quarter. Could be something like that. Finally get Metcalf off the shelf here. Come on. Yeah, I mean Lockett had 118 yards this last uh, five for 118 this last this last week, so he got something. But yeah, with the Russ not looking right, they're they're in a lot of trouble. But I, like I said, at some point because it's just like a broken, surgically repaired finger, so like you just can't move it right. So at some point, it's just gonna like work. And he's gonna be Russ again, and the team like whatever team he's playing is not going to expect it because like oh he looked like dog shit. Oh, here's Russell Wilson, and we're losing 35 to 10. Yeah, my dad had something like that happen where a basketball hit him, and like his middle finger was basically at like a 45 degree angle, but it didn't hurt. And they had to set the tendon back, and he had to have his finger, it was like his middle finger, and he had to have this, his finger in like this weird web thing. And that's basically what happened to Russ, except they actually had to put yeah. screws in his finger because I think he broke his finger as well, or they had to do something else, but it was like, it didn't hurt. It just was weird as shit because like his finger was like a not a normal looking finger. And of course, he got a lot of too way too much pleasure out of it, uh, giving the doctor the middle finger. <laughs> not kidding. All right, man. So that's the games for this week. Um, it should be good. I mean, thank God for Red Zone because you just you you named off some fucking clunkers there. And um, oh man, yeah, no Texans, Jags, Falcons, just all dog shit. Absolutely all dog shit. But um, you know, it provides us something to talk about here. So before we get out of this particular episode, what's uh, what's the score of the game? Twenty-seven to ten, Tampa fourth and two for the Giants at midfield. They're going for it. Kadarius Tony just had a catch for the first down, ran himself backwards and got tackled, so they did not convert the third and ten. So now it's fourth and two. I'm not going to call... Oh, we're not live, so I can say what's happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tony again gets the conversion, and hilariously enough for the listeners, I am in first place in a DraftKings showdown, not the million-dollar one, a much smaller one, but I'm in first place, and my only Giant in my lineup is Kadarius Tony. so my finances require Kadarius Tony to do well, so... I don't know what I'm rooting for. Well, I'll root for your finances this week, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll make this a regular thing. Uh, letting cleave <laughs> off the hook, letting cleave off the hook early because he doesn't care about the future; he only cares about the past. So, um, you and do I do it can... in the present. Exactly, that's cleave for sure. He's a he's a do it in the playoffs kind of guy. Although I thought it was funny how he's like the Chiefs are back, and I was like, has he been watching? Like he said, the Chiefs were back for the last few weeks, and I was like, they are. Like I don't. I guess I haven't been watching this, but uh, you know, cleave. He's uh, he's a busy guy, so. We got to get uh, let's troll him the next time. Like when the Chiefs put up like forty five and look great, let's just like not think they're back. They're like well, I don't know, and just like see if we can get him going. Oh yeah, you can get him going. It's it's actually funny where his lines are. Like when he's talking about, well, you can't really give a guy. A, you have to give a guy a pass coming off an injury, and I'm like, really? Because Tua could be out there with one leg, and you'd be like, this guy's a bum. Guys, a total. Listen, we, we know full well his thing with Tua is that he loves Jalen Hurts. He didn't like Jalen getting pulled in that national title game for Tua, and now he's he's you know holding it against Tua five years later. I mean, the freshman that caught the game when he touchdown from Tua was Devontae Smith. Yeah, 
didn't they have an awesome graphic? Didn't he catch a ball in the same spot? Yes. At the it, it gets Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, that was really cool. So, all right, my man. Uh, we will get back with the listeners next week, breaking down all the good shit. But until then, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Or hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, whenever the fuck this episode's coming out. I don't even remember. It is what it is. But anyway, Dave, talk to you later. See ya. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.